Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. everyone today for attending our net zero carbon summit i am very excited because i'm here with henrik collin the senior vice president and global head of mobility over at prologis and we're going to dive into i think one of the criticisms of electric vehicle adoption electric truck adoption in our industry which is the infrastructure the charging infrastructure and how we're going to make sure that that infrastructure is there to support uh, that widespread adoption in particular. And so, of course, Henrik, thank you so much for being here with us today. I think you're the, the, probably the best person for us to dive into this topic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Grace. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk about these really, really important um, topics, very interesting topics. So um, to kind of dive straight into, I think, the challenge that you point to um, and how we at Prologis think about this problem and about the solutions uh, that we can bring to the table. Let me let me paint a little bit of context as, as to what Prologis is. Um, we're the largest industrial real estate company in the world, and industrial real estate is a kind of fancy way of saying industrial outdoor storage, trailer lots, warehouses, um, so many of the vehicles that today are diesel and that are going to be converting to electric or hydrogen in the future, they visit our locations, right? We have about, we have over 3000 facilities in the United States. We have 5,500, uh, globally across 19 countries. So we have taken it upon ourselves to support our customers with thinking through how they can make this transition happen easily at our facilities, right? So our thesis is that EVs are going to charge where it makes sense, and that in many cases, that's actually going to be at the end nodes at, uh, of routes, which in many cases will be a warehouse or a trailer drop lot, right? Think about it a little bit of um, if you have an EV uh, at home and you can charge at home, you're going to do the majority of your charging of the vehicle at home, and you're going to do some of that on the go. So a, a key focus for us in terms of making this infrastructure challenge easy for our customers is just making sure that they can charge at home at the warehouses. So we offer our customers a very simple service-based way to charge vehicles at prologic facilities, as well as at warehouses that we don't own. So we work closely together with our customers to look at their overall electrification need. Of course, it's much easier for us to do these projects at Prologis locations, but we don't stop there. We help them with these infrastructure challenges in other spots as well, um, as well as at dedicated charging hubs. So at home, you, you'll charge your passenger vehicle um, you know, 80% of the times, but occasionally you're going to make that road trip and you'll have to charge somewhere between Los Angeles, where I'm based, and San Francisco at like a charging hub location. Um, so we're, we're working as well 
with our customers and partners to develop those sites to to be able to create a kind of holistic infrastructure solution uh, for our customers. I love that approach because I think when, especially you talk to to drivers in particular of of where maybe their downtime is or where, uh, right? It's all about hours for drivers, right? And where those hours are used, but they're not moving is at these locations. So it seems to me like a perfect way of, of course, making sense of what the industry challenges are today, but making that uh, that collaboration at these facilities to make sure, okay, we're not going to waste your hours. We're going to allow you to, you know, be able to get unloaded or be at these facilities and charge at the same time. And I guess off of that, and especially that holistic approach, how do you envision as, of course, EVs become uh, more used within our industry? How do you see infrastructure maybe evolving more to meet these needs of drivers and their fleets as well? Yeah, well, I th- I think that's a really important um, important point that you make there. That um, downtime and asset utilization is really important um, to reduce cost overall um, and to make this transition a reality. Uh, so, and that really starts with understanding customers' needs. So when we look at an electrification opportunity, you know, customers often approach us when they either have made a first purchase of EVs or they're thinking about it. So we sit down with our customers and then think through, well, what are you actually going to do with these vehicles? What's going to be the uh, most efficient way to utilize them? And what does that mean from a charging uh, network perspective, right? And that leads then to site design at a warehouse or us saying, hey, it might be more efficient to um, charge in some cases at this dedicated charging hub. I think what's going to happen over time um, as this market evolves, and it's going to happen in at different paces, different states in the country. Um, but if you think about the the plans in, in California, you know, all of the short, all heavy duty drage being uh, zero emissions by 2035. Um, that market is going to grow very quickly. I think what we're going to see happen is a bit of a transition from more dedicated behind the fence project deployments. So most of our projects today, you know, customers really want to have security that they can charge. And that makes absolute sense, right? This transition is complex enough. You know, you have to think about now I have an EV and not a diesel. I think what's going to happen over time as these, um, think about them as network nodes get built out, that that charging infrastructure is going to become a little bit more open, right? So where today we might build um, the ability to charge 30 trucks at a customer site dedicated to that customer's fleet, you know, there's still going to be third-party trucks coming on site And I think over time, that charging infrastructure is going to become a little bit more open. So the way that we look at our network, I mentioned the more than 3,000 sites that we have in the US. We actually think about every one of those locations being a node in our charging network, augmented with the charging hubs that we're building. And I think that's going to become a a much more um, open network, not just for our customers, but for the third parties that visit these locations. And then lastly, of course, I think what we're going to see, how we are already starting to see our network build out, as I mentioned, the outside of 
you know, for largest locations. So we're quite active in building for third party uh, landlords at sites that our customers are leasing from those landlords as well to create a much kind of more mesh network and to create more um, opportunity and optionality for customers to charge. I want to talk about one of the other critiques that we see when it comes to this adoption, and that's going back to the utilities, right? And the local governments in particular, how are we distributing this power? The challenges that come from it. Can you speak on some of those challenges and, and maybe the work that you're doing to to help uh, scale up those uh, charging networks with utilities and local governments involved? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you're absolutely pointing to, I think, one of the main um, issues that the industry faces right now. You only have to go to a, an, an industry conference on vehicle electrification, and the number one topic will be uh, infrastructure and, and power distribution. Um so to kind of build on the the point, what we were just discussing about the future of the network. So I think there will be, you know, the network's going to grow. There's going to be more optionality and I think a bit more openness. Charging speeds are also going to increase. Um, one of the key things that we hear from our customers is an ability to reduce charging times. And that requires both improvement of vehicle technology as well as charger technology. But it just means that there's not only going to be more nodes, but the the power needs of those nodes are going to become higher. Um, so the the let's call it opportunity for uh, utilities and power providers to keep up with that demand is going to be um, quite significant. The way that we think about that, um, Prologis switches on a few billion dollars worth of development every year for warehouse development, for data center development. It's very similar to building out a charging location, be it at a warehouse or at a charging hub. Um, so we, across our portfolio, leverage the, the local and regional relationships that we have with, with utilities, as well as network knowledge. It's really beneficial to be able to look at a site and say, hey, that site is tied to that particular substation over there. We know that that is 80% subscribed. Um, so our opportunity near term is going to be, you know, X amount of capacity at that location. So we work closely with utilities um, to do that analysis and to plan ahead um, because we have such a large portfolio. We tend to be a large utility customer in general. So we have conversations to look at what that portfolio growth could look like so that they can plan ahead. The second thing that we're doing and that we really do believe in is that the energy system is going to be more distributed over time. And what I mean with that is that there's going to be an increasing opportunity for on-site generation. Uh, and with that, I mean increased solar adoption, uh, storage uh, at locations as well to manage peak demands and to do some time of use shifting as well as more novel technologies like linear generation, which sounds uh, kind of futuristic. It's, it's a way to um, uh, compress and combust hydrogen, could also be renewable natu natural gas um, at low temperatures so that you're not emi emitting any um, NOx, but you're still getting a high degree of efficiency. So we have solutions in our portfolio to get customers up and running within weeks and then 
within months at a slightly higher self-generation capacity level whilst we wait for the utility to interconnect, right? So speed, speed to energization is really critical. Oftentimes, it's a huge cliche in our industry, but unfortunately, it is kind of true, is that infrastructure is an afterthought. So, so, we, so we have these temporary power solutions to at least get customers going with something as we um, work on bringing the larger uh, utility interconnection. You know, it's interesting you, you bring up right, infrastructure being an afterthought, but I think in the work that Bulaj is doing, infrastructure is n- never an afterthought. And that's what I think makes your work so unique in, in helping bring these critiques or problems with uh, a widespread uh, infrastructure and adoption, uh, you really almost have a responsibility or a role to play in all of this at the end of the day. So it's it's great to see how involved you are as even your old self. Uh, you've recently began a new role with the Department of Energy and Transportation's Electric Vehicle Working Group. Can you tell us about what that role is going to play in all of this as well in getting that infrastructure where it needs to be today. Yeah, um, th- thank you for, for mentioning that. So um, recently, the Department of um, Energy and Transportation have set up a, a joint EV working group to advise um, both, administ- both those uh, departments on um, ways to accelerate the adoption to zero emissions transportation. And, and I think what... Um, the joint office has done is really quite unique is that they've brought together a, a really diverse set of stakeholders um, to provide said advice and to come up with ideas on h- how to make this happen. And the reason I think that's important is because this industry is quite complex in its interdependencies, right? Because without vehicles, there is no infrastructure. Um, without working together with you know, municipalities and regional planning agencies, you can't get the infrastructure built. Um, so through this joint office, I think um, you know, those departments have created a vehicle to bring um, these various stakeholder groups together uh, to figure out like really pragmatic and practical ways um, to accelerate this transition and to also advise on um, some of the funding pathways that should exist to support the uh, early adoption of, of both EVs as well as the, the build-out of the infrastructure. Um, I do want to touch on what you said there about infrastructure for us not being an afterthought, because I really love that comment. It is what we live every day. And this is, like, I make this com- this comment at conferences sometimes, and it, it can land maybe a little controversial. So I actually dare to say that infrastructure doesn't have to be the bottleneck, right? So if we have time to work with our customers, with vehicle OEMs, with fleet management companies who are going to be leasing these vehicles on where these vehicles are going to go, the um, development of the infrastructure and the sites to charge those vehicles it's an engineering and a um, a planning and permitting development problem. It's not a fundamental science problem. What we really need to see in this space to get um, to a higher degree of penetration, we need to see vehicle costs come down, battery technology needs to improve. That's a fundamental science problem, 
right? And and fortunately, so much good work is going on that space. I have no doubt we're going to get to cost parity, even in the heavy duty space uh, in the near term. But on the infrastructure side, it is a it is very much a, a an engineering problem. And being an electrical engineer myself, um, that's something that we can work with. So when I when I talk to um, you know policymakers, I tend to 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 drive the focus to let's figure out um, how we can incentivize the adoption of vehicles, not just with sticks but also with carrots so that we can get the machine going on the front end, then we can plan the capacity against that, right? So I, I sometimes exaggerate the point infrastructure isn't a problem at all just for effect. Of course, it is challenging, and there's a tremendous amount of investment that needs to be made in transmission and distribution infrastructure. Um, but again, when the parties come together, um, those, those are solvable problems. That's how optimistic I'm going to be. And I, I'm on the same page with you. And I think that's, again, why I think that Prologis is perfect to help with this problem. Because once again, this is your forethought. This is exactly what's on your mind as, as a company, as a brand. And for our audience out there, I hope that you feel uh, even more empowered to make these investments. If you're watching this now and you have a fleet, know that we are making the right steps and there's people like yourself Henrik, who are out there really pushing for this too so i want to thank you so much today for for being here and sharing your expertise but more so giving us a, a peek behind the curtain of of what is happening and what is is coming here in the future awesome well thank you so much grace it's been an absolute pleasure and i'm i think we ended up on a really optimistic note for those who are kind of struggling with how to think about this. There is help out there. There are parties out there um, that you can talk to to figure this uh, stuff out. And we're happy to be a resource in that process. So thank you so much. And uh, here's to an uh, energized future. Yes. Cheers to that. And thank you everyone for watching. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.